Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. When you think about all the historic moments this place has seen, it feels weird that it'll be topped by a live fantasy football happy hour on Thursday, right? But still, hats are in effect, bow ties are in effect. I've yet to find a mint julep, but I intend to. Can you, uh, can you get me a mint julep, please? We're fantasy football happy hour. Gotta know where the booze is. Cheers. Yeah, it's mint julepy. I don't think I'm too fat for a jockey. I, I could lose a few pounds, sure. You know, the barbecue the night before, that was a mistake. I mean, the horse. I'm talking about practice. Not a race, but practice. You ride to win the race. What kind of question is that? I'm not thinking about this race anymore. We're on to Cincinnati. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour live from the beautiful Churchill Downs. That's right. Let's cheers it up here, boys. What an experience so far. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. Looks like you've been having a lot of fun so dude, far. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> I love NBC. I love the Kentucky Derby. I've been here for a day and a half. I'm never leaving. This is a, it is a great city. It is a crazy scene. And, I mean, just look at this. By the way, over the course of the hour, Connor Rogers, two different races. Two different races will be happening. So we will be seeing horses. We got tickets, by if, the way. We have, we have tickets. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to see me literally lose money on air, you will see this. Uh, but I do. I have, the, I have, I have horse 12. I have okay. horse 12 uh, in, uh, in the seventh race, I believe, is what we're doing here. But, um, yeah, man, this is awesome. It really is. I mean, what an experience so far. Yeah, and how many takes on those little videos that you did, Matthew, in the open? One take, one take, Barry? All one take, all one okay. take. Look, you, you race, <laughs> you race to, you, uh, you ride to win the race, whatever it was. We, we, had, fun at the, we had fun at the press conferences uh, there as well. So obviously one of the reasons we're here is because the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby is this Saturday starting at noon Eastern, right here on NBC and Peacock, of course. I am, for some reason, amazingly part of the coverage. I'm very excited, so I'll be making horse racing picks. And, you know, what? I feel like there's a lot of people that just sort of come out, um, and, you know, they aren't hardcore sports bettors, 
but the Kentucky Derby, you throw a couple of bucks on a race. That's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, everybody has fun with it, and we are going to talk obviously a lot of fantasy football today. But yes. also a little bit into the show, our friend Drew Dinzig is going to be joining us, and we are going to talk not only how to bet the Derby, but a little preview of the Derby. Jay has a pick. Obviously, Drew has picks, and I, I think you're. Pick. Gonna, I think I, you're going to save. But you got I might, the big I, I performance. May, I, I have some thoughts. How about that? Thought, I like I that. Th- I have some thoughts. Most of my thoughts are just basically whatever Drew doesn't. Whatever I will tell you this: most of my thoughts on horse racing are what are no. Most of my thoughts on horse racing are what I got from Drew last night at dinner. Oh yes. yeah, I was listening in. By the way, speaking of dinner last night, the three of us, along with Drew and our producer Stephen D'Agostino, all went out to dinner. And of course, you know what I had to do. It's the off season of fried chicken. It's the off season of fried chicken, and all of you guys copied me here. You know, uh, so we all, there you go. That's us at dinner last night. With all massive amounts of fried chicken. It's an obscene amount of fried chicken. But the, the worst thing to me is that, Matthew, you really wanted the ribeye steak. But you didn't get it because you felt like you needed to lean into the bit yes. of the southern fried chicken. I'm nothing, I'm nothing if not on brand at all times. On brand and dedicated to the fact that you didn't even order what you wanted. <laughs> because you couldn't be the only person at this table, as you see, without the buttermilk fried chicken. Well, a lovely and, dinner. And our waitress, Maggie, suggested, she said the best thing on the menu is the buttermilk fried chicken. I haven't tried anything on that uh, menu but other than the fried chicken, but she was great. Uh, she was right. It was absolutely great. All right. There is a race currently going on behind us. I know you have horse 12. Yeah, I think so. I have I'm going to look. Jay, I don't know where you're at in this, but we will get a live result as we uh, as we sit here. It's going to be a lot of fun. But like we said, we are going to talk fantasy football, and they are rounding the turn right behind us. What do you? So I have, I have horse twelve. I have horse twelve. And there's there's I, horse three in the race, which I, is not twelve. He's in the lead. Three. The, there's three. there's nine and eleven. Oh, it doesn't sound good for me with Does, eight. No, I, six. There's eight. Just four. <laughs> plodding along. <laughs> plodding along. David Montgomery back there yeah, right now. What's exactly. going on? I think I'm on going. seven. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Turn and lost. Yeah. Okay. Well, we do have some news, relevant news. So let's get right out of the gates here. Something that we talked about on Monday. Ridiculous. Was, was the likely return of Jarek McKinnon to the Chiefs. That has happened. And at the same time, they've declined the fifth-year option on Clyde edwards Lair. Uh, so McKinnon, they have Pacheco, Lair's back, but no fifth-year option picked up for him. And, and that makes sense because, by the way, they weren't playing Clyde edwards Lair last year when he was healthy. It, I mean, you know, they, they used a first-round pick on him, and it just goes to show that there's only so much draft capital can get you. They felt all last year, a year in which they won the Super Bowl, that Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, that one-two punch, the, the thunder and lightning, if you will, the between the tackles guy and Pacheco and the passing game specialist McKinnon gave them the best chance to win. They won the Super Bowl. It's not a surprise that McKinnon comes back to the team. They love what they have in Pacheco. And, you know, CEH, I think, is merely... I don't think he's somebody you can draft and redraft this year. It doesn't feel like he's going to have a role on this team. Yeah, I agree. And McKinnon's a weird one. He's kind of unexciting when you draft him, but he's going to get you 10 points that you need. And also with McKinnon, the one thing that's a little bit odd and maybe can't be counted on is that he scored touchdowns in each of the last six regular season games last season after scoring one in the first 11. So I don't think that's necessarily sustainable. At the same time, uh, he was the beneficiary of a lot of Patrick Mahomes' just genius improv plays, thinking of the left-handed flick in Denver, that type of stuff. And McKinnon's still going to get some of that. So he's, he's so, going to be an option. True, but but here's what I would say. Yes, he led all running backs with nine receiving touchdowns last year, Jay. Clearly that's 
unsustainable. Um, and many of them happened over the final six weeks where he was the fifth best running back in fantasy, averaging over 18 fantasy points per game. But he was also fourth in the NFL among running backs in receiving yards. He had over 500 receiving yards, 512 to be exact. And I think that is sustainable. Like, he is the passing down back on a team that has passed first that has Patrick Mahomes as its quarterback. So I, I do think that McKinnon, who ended up last year as running back 26, top five guy down the stretch, I do think he's a viable flex play with upside, week-to-week upside uh, in PPR leagues. It feels like for CEH it's going to take an injury, maybe a significant injury for them to go back down that road. Moving on. Who would you rather have, Pacheco or McKinnon? I'd rather have Pacheco because of the rushing upside. I just think he has scope to be 18 carries a game in given games, whereas McKinnon, he he doesn't need just receptions. He needs receiving touchdowns. And I think there's more likelihood that Pacheco scores touchdowns. He's got more touchdown equity. They started to use Pacheco in the passing game towards the end of the year as well. I agree with you, but I think both guys are viable in fantasy. I agree. The thing with Pacheco, too, is just younger. He might just get better. He has more scope to actually just get better and develop skills, whereas McKinnon's kind of a known quantity. And this time last year, he was going into rookie camp as a guy from Rutgers that was an afterthought now instead with Pacheco he's looked at as a key role coming into training camp in year two so good sign ahead for him moving over to the NFC DeAndre Hopkins had a lot to say uh, with the Arizona Cardinals after an offseason where all the rumors have been around where he's going to play next let's hear from Hop I see everybody telling me to stay who said I want to go who said I wanted to leave I'm out here working baby Hopkins obviously acting like he might not be going anywhere, which I think in fantasy is disappointing news when you look at Arizona's situation right now. Yes and no. The fact is is that last year, last year he had a 29% target share, right? He had three games with Colt McCoy last season. Again, we don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. In the three games with Colt McCoy last year, 8 for 87 is what he averaged with a 33% target share. So, look, it's an entirely new offense. It's a new coach. It's a no regime. Drew Petzig is the offense coordinator. He's the quarterback's coach at Cleveland. So we don't have a great sense of what this offense is going to look like. But here's what we know. It's a team that's fairly devoid of talent. And DeAndre Hopkins is really, really freaking good. So my expectation, like, yes, they have Rondell Moore and they have Marquise Brown there. uh, You know, and they've got the running game with James Conner. A lot of people like Trey McBride. But ultimately, as long as DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, He's going to command a north of 20% target share, probably getting inching closer to 30. I have him as a top 20 wide receiver this year, guys. What yeah, do you I think, Jay? St- I still don't really understand what happened to him in 2021, where it wasn't just, I think it was beyond the scheme. He just didn't look right. He didn't look like the same guy. And then he comes back last season, just looks like New Hopkins again, catching fluke on a freak touchdowns against the Minnesota Vikings and just looking like the guy that he was in Houston. So, yeah, I think that he's a volume guy and the talent is still there. Staying in the division, Pete Carroll, after drafting Zach Charbonnet, said Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet will battle for the team's lead back role this summer. I think you got to be a little careful what Pete Carroll says after an NFL draft press conference but for everybody that's all in on Kenneth Walker a second round running back as talented as Charbonnet is going to factor in this offense it 100% is and I think you can sort of look back to last year when Kenneth Walker was drafted and we were all excited about him in the preseason but they had Rashad Penny so prior to Rashad Penny's uh, injury Kenneth Walker was averaging just over seven touches a game so the idea that this is going to be a running back by committee and both guys are going to be viable I don't think so and so the fact is is that whoever wins this job is likely going to get 65 to 70 percent of the work Charbonnet I think 
and you know, you scout all these players, Connor, so you tell me, but my instinct is that Charbonnet's the better pass catcher of the two. By far, yeah. And, and so it's kind of weird. If Charbonnet wins the early down roll, I don't know that I don't know what Walker does. That's what you know what I mean? Because again, they're gonna trust Charbonnet more in passing. Maybe they like Walker more in pass pro, but if Charbonnet's the better pass catcher, it's hard to see Walker carving out a fantasy significant role if Charbonnet wins the job. Yeah. Well, firstly, I think Pete Carroll's obviously a great coach, had a magnificent career. At the same time, I probably trust him less than any other coach in terms of what he says publicly. Certainly, we're betting game to game, and he talks about injuries. It just, it's just not true, or it just doesn't bear out right. to be true a lot of the time. So I wouldn't read too much into what Carroll is saying. With Walker, I don't, I just don't understand what's happened to his standing in the organization. Like, he was runner-up for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He carried them into the playoffs in that last game against the Rams. He had six games of 20-plus carries. He was a workhorse for them. Uh, but I guess there's just something there. He's banged up. And so certainly I think it's just one where, you know, watching week one is so valuable for a lot of situations and certainly will be for this one. Yeah. I, think, I think the concern there, Jay, to answer your question is, is that last year he had the third most carries among all running backs where he was tackled for a loss. Yep. He played on less than 30% of third downs. So he's somebody that for whatever reason, whether it was because they really liked DJ Dallas or Travis Homer or they just didn't trust him, you know, he was, to your point, he was a rookie. He was banged up. He was banged up in the preseason too. So he missed some training camp. He's trying to come up to speed. And I think that we, you know, you sort of see, you see the home run plays. You see the, the big plays, but just maybe they just felt like in terms of kind of that day in, day in, you know, ground game that they feel like maybe they have something more in Charbonnet. Who knows, maybe it's trying to motivate Walker as well. But clearly, if you're doing best ball drafts right now, it's hard to put massive stock in either one of those guys until we get more clarity on this situation. All right, moving over to your top 20, Barry. I know your rankings have officially dropped on NBC Sports Edge for free. Your top 100 overall players are live on the website. But let's go through the top 20 today, and we'll start. Obviously, we're going to look at your 1 through 10 in depth here as well. I don't think there's much of a surprise at the top. Where it got interesting to me is number three Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. Last year, just a disaster for everybody associated with the Rams. But you're high, clearly, on a big-time Cup bounce back. Well, look, last season, as great as Justin Jefferson was, last season on a points-per-game basis, there was no wide receiver in the NFL better than my little Cooper Cup. He was the number one guy. He averaged uh, 22.4 fantasy points per game. He had over 25 fantasy points in five of his eight full games. And I don't see, assuming he comes back fully healthy, and right now the expectation is that he will, it's hard for him to, it's hard for me to see a scenario where that changes. Like, guy had a 33% target share, and I don't feel like there's anyone on the roster that would challenge that right now. That offense is going to go through Cooper Cup. Yeah, and I think the, the beauty of drafting Cup is that we saw in 2021 how much he produced on a great offense where he had maybe the greatest wide receiver season in history. And then we saw last year where he's on a terrible offense where everything went wrong, and he was still, to your point, the best fantasy wide receiver on a per-game basis. So he's either going to get more explosive plays, which he had in 21 in a better offense, or he's just going to get there by volume. So I think he is just about the highest floor option that you can take in a draft, him and Jefferson. And that's the argument, right? It's, it's, I always say this. Like, you can't win your draft in the first round. You can lose it. What you really want is floor. And obviously... All those guys are superstars, so the floor is a very high floor. But that's what you want, and that's why Jefferson is number one. Typically, you often see running backs go number one, but just given the injury history of running backs, Jefferson, to me, is the safest guy 
Cup comes in at number three, also safe. At number six, you had Travis Kelsey. I mean, obviously Kelsey's getting up there in age, but the production doesn't appear to be slowing down. But I want to ask you this, Barry. Does the the barren wasteland that the position is at tight end, does that significantly bump him up as well? Of course. Yeah. I mean, that, that has to factor into it because as a wide receiver, he's very good. But as a tight end, he's elite. Yes, yeah, right. Just yeah. because he's so much better than everyone else. He gives you a weekly win at that position. Like, just bottom line. And we keep saying, like, well, he's getting older. But he seems to be one of these freaks of nature that just kind of keeps going and going. Five straight seasons of at least 90 receptions and over 1,100 receiving yards. His quarterback's the same. His coordinator is, I mean, you know, not his coordinator because the enemy's in Washington. But the play it's Andy Reid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Andy Reid. The offense is still the same. And honestly, you could make the argument that his situation the situation is uh, even better. Quite the, quite the out, outfits, by the way. As we check out some amazing derby outfits. Like, this is unbelievable. I should have gotten a hat. I need to talk to NBC Wardrobe. You have plenty of time, by I the really, way. Make no mistake, if anyone ever needs a hat, it's me because of, uh, you know, what little is going on up here. But amazing outfits at the derbies and amazing production from Travis Kelsey. Where I was going is, is if you can... If, it, it's, it's, thank you very much. Is that you could argue he has less target competition this year. Last year, we had Juju Smith-Schuster. You had, like, you know, you had MVS. And, you know, this year, now it's going to be Travis Kelsey and a bunch of, you know. Yeah, Sky Moore didn't do anything. Sky Moore yeah. didn't do anything. Kadarius Tony had flashes, but, you know, moments. MVS, we're still sort of waiting for him. Miko Hardman is gone, right? Juju is gone. And, and so we'll see with Rasheed Rice. But he's even more ensconced as the main pass catcher of the best offense in football. Jay, would you double down on that strategy? Do you agree that Kelsey is worth that kind of capital uh, because of, not only the unique position he has with the tight end spot, but you also think that, listen, this is his offense until we see otherwise. I think so, and I think the thing with Kelsey is that you look at the age curves of tight ends, typically, like he should have fallen off a couple of years ago, and he just hasn't. And even athletically, if he declines a bit, what makes him so special is that he's a genius in terms of how he understands space, his rapport with Mahomes. Mahomes always looks for him in the red zone. There's just so much there to keep him with an incredibly high floor. And I think he was a little inflated last year because Andrews had a down season with Lamar getting hurt. Kyle Pitts clearly never ignited. Darren Waller was injured. So I think the tight end position will just get better because it has to, but he's still the class of it. Last one in the top ten that we'll go in-depth on, Jonathan Taylor, projected obviously for most people as last year's number one overall pick. Do we throw out, last season, do we throw it out the window, Barry? And also, what is the impact of Anthony Richardson being drafted by the Colts in the top five? I think it's significant, and I think it's helpful. So, to me, the the fact that Richardson might take some goal line carries away is offset by the fact that they're going to be a running offense, and often what we've seen when you have a mobile quarterback is that it opens up things for the run game because you have to keep a spy on the quarterback. And so when you have a creative play caller, which is what we think Shane Steichen will be, right, that's going to open up things for Taylor. Again, look at what he did in Philadelphia. A lot of the reasons that Richardson was drafted and we talk about, oh, look at what he did with Jalen Hurts. But how about look at what he did with the run game in Philadelphia overall? Miles Sanders had a career year. Like, you got production out of Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, not to mention the fact, obviously, Jalen Hurts had a monster year. So given the fact that Richardson is a, is a project and somebody that's really going to need to be limited in what he does passing-wise, it's going to be a run-heavy offense. Taylor, who had at least 20 touches in seven of the ten full games he played last year, at least 23 touches and 90 yards in each of the four games prior to his ankle injury, I think you're looking at a massive workload on what's going to be a run-heavy team. 
and a defense, uh, you know, and they're going to be facing defenses that can't fully stop Taylor because they're going to have to worry about Richardson's mobility. Yeah, and Jay, through the draft, I mean, they added Evan Hull. They weren't like the Seahawks that said, let's look around too and get one of the best running backs in this draft. So I think that helps Taylor as well. Yeah, and I think the thing with Taylor is that you have to remember that one in 2021, he had one of the greatest running back seasons of all time. And then last year, I mean, he's banged up. He's on a terrible team. He's playing hurt. His offensive line is a mess. Still averaged four and a half yards per carry. Like, he had big games out there. And I think the thing with the new coaching situation is this offensive line has talent. There's still Quentin Nelson there. There's still Braden Smith. There's still Ryan Kelly. Like, the offensive line, it should be better. And in 2021, everything that Taylor did, the offensive line didn't play well that year either. So right. he's waiting for a healthy Jonathan Taylor behind a good offensive line, more creative play calling uh, than last year at least. Uh, and I think that Taylor should have a massive year if he stays healthy. And that friend of the podcast, Jonathan Taylor, please call him by his correct name. He came on the show during Super Bowl week. So we are a pro Jonathan Taylor show. I love JT. But yeah, I mean, I just, it's one of those things that's like a guy that was the consensus number one pick last year. And obviously the entire season went south on the Colts. You know, Matt Ryan didn't work out. The coaching staff didn't work out. They, you know, they picked a guy off TV to be their coach for the second half of the year. Um, he, like just everything that could have gone wrong for Indy last year went wrong. Jonathan Taylor didn't forget how to play football. Jonathan Taylor, you know, isn't all of a sudden a bad football player. And I think he's actually going to be a value in drafts this year because people are going to be, people in, in fantasy too often have short memories and they're like, oh yeah, I had Taylor last year, he was a bum, never mind. And you're like, dude. Last thing on Taylor, he had 40 targets in the receiving game in 11 games last year. He didn't play all of those 11 as well because he came out hurt. So I think that if he adds that to his game, and he came on our show and talked about how he wanted to add that. I know all kind of running backs say they want to get more work in the passing game, but that's another element that he can add. Moving over to the next batch of players, 11 through 20 in your top 20 here, Barry. Yeah. And we are going to start with Amon Ra St. Brown on this list. He is at number 13, um, obviously wide receiver 7 last year. I mean, is there a world where he is suddenly a borderline first-rounder in redraft leagues? I think there is. Look, I mean, I'm at 13 overall, so in a 12-team league, he's a borderline first-rounder in all of his healthy games last season. A 29% target share with at least 9 targets in 12 of the 15 games he played. In games in which he had at least 8 targets, there were 13 of them. He averaged over 19 fantasy points per game. You think about how this Detroit Lions offense plays out this year. And yes, they have Jameer Gibbs, but they lose DeAndre Swift. They lose Jamison Williams for 6 games. They don't have TJ Hawkinson anymore. And so, like... It's it, after I'm on Ross St. Brown, until Williams gets back there, you're looking at Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, Khalif Raymond. Like, targets are earned in the NFL, Connor. You know this. Oh, yeah. And I'm on Ross St. Brown demands targets because he's constantly getting open. I love the fact that Ben Johnson is back as the offense coordinator. I love the fact that Jared Goff is back. And that, you know, and yes, they took Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker is a project. To me, them drafting Hendon Hooker is like, hey, Jared Goff, you're our guy for the next couple of years. Like, it's going to take a while for Hooker not only to get healthy, but for him to get up to speed. I don't see a scenario, unless Goff has a major injury, where Goff is not their starting quarterback for the next two years. I'm, I'm with you all the way. I think that's how they would prefer it. Look at this guy. This might be a, Look at this. This might be a running back 1A here for us, a true RB1. These horses are majestic. I it's one of these Athletes. things, like, I've never been to a horse race before. So, I mean, not only is it my first time at the Kentucky Derby, my first time in the state of Kentucky, it's also my first time, like, literally at a horse race. And it is, there's something majestic about it. It really is. And, and I love just how everyone's sort of dressed up and, like, you know, it's kind of old-timey and formal. And it's, 
it's just an awesome atmosphere. The energy we have good up. gigs, guys. Yeah, the energy. We have been really unreal. good gigs. Yeah, it's been good energy all yeah. around. Majestic fried chicken last night as well. Just Majestic to tie, in, to tie into the majesty. Majestic is an adjective that doesn't get used nearly enough, Jay Croucher. Yeah, I'd say it's underused relative to market. Yeah. What it should be. Yeah, we can try and amp that up. We can bring it back. I appreciate that. Moving on to number eighteen, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Of course, we talked about on Monday how they drafted Deuce Vaughn. I don't think that really instills fear into anybody. I know that Jerry Jones has not closed the door publicly on Ezekiel Elliott, but right now we're assuming Zeke is gone, and this is the Tony Pollard show. I think it has to be, right? 13 career games with 15 or more touches, and in those games, he's averaging over 19 fantasy points per game, 19.6 to be exact, which would have been the third best running back in fantasy last year. Is there a chance they re-sign Ezekiel Elliott? Sure. Is there a chance some another veteran, Leonard Fournette, still out there, for example? That's possible as well, but it feels like they want that they last year was sort of the test case. Can Tony Pollard, because there were games that Zeke missed, can Tony Pollard be an every down back? Because there was the concern of like, oh, he's he's fast, he's small, he can't take that kind of pounding, which was always weird because coming out of college that wasn't his profile. And he's not tiny. No, he's not. It's a weird narrative. I don't know if it's like an aesthetic narrative or if it's just the Cowboys wanting to be uh, so lenient on Zeke because they paid him for so long. But I don't understand it at all, and the Cowboys should have full confidence in Tony Pollard as their workhorse. Right. I think it's because he was used as sort of this passing down back because he was used in, t- in space and he's so fast that people assume, oh, well, he's not, he's not thick like Zeke, which he's not. But just because very few running backs are thick like Zeke, right? And so the fact of the matter is, is that, right, like Tony Pollard's like six foot. Like, I mean, I think he's... 200 pounds off the top of my head? Oh, like I think 215? over that. He's a bigger... He's it, fine. He's, he's fine. He is, he's a completely... He is built to run between the tackles. He's got the speed. Last year, with Ezekiel Elliott there, from week 8 to 16, he was the second best running back on in fantasy. I'm at running... I have an 18 overall, and honestly, guys, I might be too low on him. Once we know for a fact that Zeke isn't coming back, and they're not signing somebody like Fournette, that it's really just like, you know, um, Malik Davis and Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, that there's you know, kind of just guys there, I think Tony Pollard will move up higher in my ranks. Yeah, I think if he's unopposed in terms of role, then he's a first-rounder in 12-team leagues. Like, he is... I mean, what he was doing last season, particularly when they split him out wide or as a receiver, so they did against Minnesota, it's like, what sport is this guy playing? That's what Memphis like, does, so he's the, Cowboys took it. He's basically... I think he's the closest facsimile of Christian McCaffrey that's out there. Like, he can produce in a similar skill set and uh, the talent's off the charts, and hopefully with Zeke gone, the shackles come off. Especially with McCarthy saying he wants to run more, which I... I don't necessarily agree with that, but for fantasy managers that have Tony Pollard on the team, they're going to be happy. All right, so we'll move over and close out here with 21 through 30 out of your top 100 here, Barry. And we got to talk about the quarterbacks. That's what everybody's wondering in this tier of rankings every single year. And they're lumped together here. You see Josh Allen, he's at 24. You got Jalen Hurts uh, not too far after him. And then Patrick Mahomes there at 26, Barry. So listen, Jalen Hurts is your ride or die, but not your QB1 going into the year. He's number two. To me, Josh Allen is just is so special. I do think maybe the league will catch up with Jalen Hurts a little bit. Again, worth it. He's my number two quarterback. So it's like one of those things where By you have to... Two have spots. To, it, yeah. it, in two spots, right? And, and the way I rank in the overalls, when you see players of the same position really next to each other, and where you see it was Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes all within five spots of each other. Like just there was only five spots between Allen and Mahomes. A couple players in there. It's my way of saying like, it's pretty much a coin toss. If I have to pick somebody, and I do, as we see more people in hats uh, at the railing here, uh, enjoying mint juleps and other festivities here at the Derby, 
What I will say is is that I prefer Josh Allen just because a longer track record. I like the moves that the that the Bills have made. Who knows without Steech in there um, in Philadelphia if there's a sl- again at this level you have to nitpick. So I love Jalen Hurts. You know he's my ride or die, but hard for me to rank him ahead of Josh Allen. He's my number two quarterback this year. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of concern around Josh Allen running the ball less because that's been out in the public. Like, let's see that happen. Let's see him not run the ball because that's what makes him special, the fact that he can bowl over linebackers. I reckon if there is one guy who's going to crack the top and, three. Is- and the, the only other thing I was going to say about, about Jalen Hurts is, but a, a lot of what his fantasy value came from was from the rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And I would argue the Eagles running back room Again, they need to stay healthy, but with Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift, not to mention Gainwell and Scott, like I think their running back room is better than it was last year, where they just had Sanders, Gainwell, and and Scott. So, if you could see three or four less rushing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts, that makes a difference too. Yeah, and I understand why you can't put this guy in the top three because he doesn't have the same floor. But Justin Fields can absolutely finish as the best quarterback in fantasy next season. I think he's probably got the highest ceiling of anyone. There's no question about it, by the way. And and Lamar back with all yep. the weapons they gave him. And, you know, don't forget about Justin Herbert. Yep. I mean, like, chances are you're going to wind up with a good quarterback in fantasy next year. All right, you could read Barry's full top 100. It is on NBCSportsEdge.com. It is free. Your initial top 100 rankings. It'll be interesting to see how they shake up a little bit. We are going to take a break in just a second. When we're back, we are oh, looking yeah. at fantasy football. There's horse 12 that didn't win for me. I need, the, I need 12 last race. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without. Trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. The beauty of the Roto World app is that you can customize it to match your fantasy roster so you get the information you need, all from the best fantasy news source in the business. Win, win. Download the Roto World app, it won't disappoint. And if you still have questions about your fantasy team, you can always ask Matthew Berry directly. Hey, Matthew, big fan of the show. It's Kevin Nart here. I uh, just got a question. I, I got uh, to ask, with Lamar re-signing with Baltimore, how do you think he's going to do next season? I think he's going to have a monster season. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. Anytime Lamar Jackson is on the field, 
he's got a chance to be the best quarterback in fantasy that week. There's no question about it because, obviously, of the rushing, the electric speed. But then you think about this year, they've got Mark Andrews back. They added Odell Beckham Jr. They should have Rashad Bateman back healthy. My guy, Isaiah Likely, I'm hoping for a step up from him. And let's not underestimate Todd Munkin becoming the offense coordinator, a very creative play caller who you have to assume that as Lamar wanted to get paid, but as part of deciding, because there were a couple places he could have gone, that had no factor into it. I'm sure he had conversations with Todd Munkin. Okay, how are you going to use me? Todd Munkin likes to create explosive throwing plays, and that's huge for Baltimore, and more importantly for this question, huge for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I think I'll I'll never understand how the Ravens, who are one of the smartest organizations in the sport, clearly, how they went into last season being cool with Rashad Bateman being the only wide receiver uh, that had really any upside, and then counting on guys like Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay, outside of Mark Andrews, of course. But now they have just, they have options, and they have guys they can throw out who have a chance to fail and to succeed, and and not just Odell, but Zay Flowers and Andrews should be healthier. There's just a lot of talent there now. Correct. I mean, Zay Flowers, I thought, was a great draft pick by them as well. And to their credit, to the Ravens' credit, like, we went in there going, like, but yet still, like, for a while last year, Devin DuVernay was a thing. Demarcus Robinson had his moments. James Prochet caught a long ball or two, right? I mean, like, and so they made do with these kind of, like, sort of also-rans. And so now upgrading the talent around Lamar Jackson better play caller Lamar's gotten paid he's gotten his paycheck uh so the guy's wearing he was wearing a Louisville shirt obviously Jackson's alma mater so I understand why you're asking I think he's going to have a monster year I was a top five fantasy quarterback this year all right guys we are moving along here we have fantasy football trifectas in the spirit of being here we're at Churchill Downs we're at the Kentucky Derby so instead of you know win play show Instead of F, Mary, Kill, we're going to do Win, Play, right. Show. <laughs> it's a family program today. Yeah. Well, the F stands for friend, obviously. Uh, yes, yes, Isn't yes, that what yes. it stands for? That's what I thought. That's what, my parent, that's what my kids told me it stood for. Well, it's unbelievable. I'd set the over-under time for Barry to explain this segment at uh, two and a half minutes, and we've sailed under. Absolutely yeah, yeah, sailed. Yeah, crushed always, it. <laughs> always take the under. Always take the under on uh, me explaining the segment. Our first one here. Second-year wide receivers. Obviously, we are going to have three players for each one. Second-year wide receivers are Chris Alave, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson. Okay. So, win, place, and show. Obviously, win is first place. Place is second place. Show is third. For people that are not familiar with horse racing vernacular, the way I have become in the last 20 minutes. All right. So, uh, win, I'm going to say Garrett Wilson. I mean, listen, I'm as a top-10 wide receiver, 25% target share last season, with, you know, a Quite Milan. the carousel of quarterbacks. Let's, to be kind, how about inconsistent quarterback That's, play? Yes. And now he gets number 12, who's going to be number 8. But Aaron Rodgers, obviously a massive upgrade for Garrett Wilson. He's the win. Place, I'm going to say Chris Olave. Double-digit fantasy points in 11 different games last year. Now he gets Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a very good deep ball thrower. And I think his game actually sets up really nicely for uh, for Chris Olave, I think they'll run a lot of play action with the running backs as well. So for me, Carr, who was top five in deep ball rate and deep completions over the last two years, is a perfect antidote for Olave. He's placed, which means show is Drake London. Again, they've been super run heavy, and drafting Bijan Robinson in the first round tells me they're going to continue to be run heavy. I just don't. I love Drake London. I just don't know that the Falcons do in their passing game. Jay, any disagreements here, or are you in line? No, I'm in line, and I do think that Olave, I thought Olave had every bit as good a season as Wilson last year, maybe even a better season, just on like a per-route run 
uh, metric just because he, he missed some time, so his stats didn't look quite as good. But just the upgrading quarterback for Wilson takes him up a level that, that Olave I don't think quite can match. And then, yeah, London's got to be three. Just, it means Desmond Ritter versus Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, yeah. Desmond, but uh, not in that class. But, or maybe Taylor Heineke. Okay. Don't yeah, count out sorry. Heineke, baby. Our next fantasy trifecta is running backs on new teams. In this one, we have new Philadelphia Eagle, DeAndre Swift. We have new Carolina Panther, former Philadelphia Eagle, Miles Sanders, and then new Detroit Lion, David Montgomery. What do you like here, Barry? I don't know that I love any of them, candidly. I'll be honest with you. I don't love any of them, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to say Miles Sanders for the win. He's my running back 23. Remember, the Panthers were top five in rush rate last year. They ran a ton. With Bryce Young under center, that's my expectation as well, is that they're going to want to ease in the rookie. And so the Panthers, who have a really good offensive line, an underrated offensive line, should be able to get Miles Sanders. Remember, reunited with Frank Reich in Carolina. It's you know it's just him and Chuba Hubbard. So then I'm going to say David Montgomery. Look, I've run Montgomery at, at 25. I've been clear about this, and I'll be clear about it for the entire offseason as we see more of the scene here at Churchill Downs. Somebody just got to I second thought, base there. That was a butt slap. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a, yeah. And now um, we're getting an arm around. And now an arm around. All right, l- listen. Come nothing brings out no, <laughs> no, nothing brings out romance like like horses. Uh, what I will say <laughs> is that David Montgomery, I want give me Jameer Gibbs over David Montgomery when you're picking Lions running backs here. But Montgomery does get a ton of work. And we know with the Jamal Williams role that there is a lot of goal line touches to be had. And then finally, DeAndre Swift. He's my show or third place of these guys. It's a better move for him just getting out of Detroit where he was clearly third in line. But now he goes to Philadelphia where he's a threat to be vultured by Jalen Hurts. He's uh, competing with Rashad Penny and Gainwell and Scott. And, oh, by the way, they don't throw to the running back last year. That was the thing is that DeAndre Swift had at least 45 receptions each of the last three seasons. I don't think he gets there in Philadelphia unless there's an injury to to a lot of guys because they just don't throw to the running back. They don't need to when you've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Yeah, three really good offensive lines here, so that makes it good situations for all of these teams. I think Swift, he probably has the highest upside and the lowest downside just because I think he's the most talented guy out of these three, but also he's just got the most competition where, I mean, sometimes you just go and look at the depth charts for the positions for running back. Like, no, he's got to compete with Jalen Hurts. Like, Jalen Hurts is the issue for him more so, I think, than Rashad Penny or Kenneth Gainwell or whomever. I think Sanders is the safest. And you have to think as well, back to you know Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. They were great for stretches last season. You just didn't know which one to go with each week. Uh, and also Frank Reich, really good play caller. And Jonathan Taylor's 2021 legendary season was with Frank Reich. So we know that he can extrapolate a really good running game. All right, rather than us decide the next category, we have a fan on the grounds that'll do that. Uh, Matthew, uh, I'm a great admirer of your show. I'm a diehard coach fan. Can you give me some updates on our quarterbacks? Admirer yeah. there, Barry. I appreciate it. That guy feels like Look he's at seen grid. some horses. <laughs> yes. That guy, this is the, he's not like me. This is my first horse race. That guy has seen some races. He's, I think he's been here for a little bit. So are, are we doing a cat? Are we doing let's a, let's transition it to include the rookie quarterbacks. Then. Okay, sure. Because obviously he is talking about Anthony Richardson being yeah, yeah. drafted by the Colts. So Anthony Richardson is in this one, of course, with the two guys taken ahead of him. And we got we got horses coming behind us, by the yeah, way. This so is, I got, this is uh, a horse two for me. I got, uh, all right, there we go. There we go. I got horse three. three. I have horse three. I'm on six. Six. This is 
Where's three? Is three coming around the bend? Where's I think, three? I think three's Give me lost. three. Three's in last? I don't know. I don't uh, know. It's outrageous. <laughs> Picking losers left and right over here. I have no idea where the standings are right now. I told my right producer, now. Stephen D'Agostino, to make bets for me because I was in a derby production meeting. And if he had won, I was going to take credit for it. But if, if he lost, I'm going to blame it on him. And they're coming down the stretch right here. We'll talk about Anthony Richardson in a second. But here we go. They're coming down the stretch. And who won? Did three win? I think one won. Ugh, brutal. Well, you don't win them all. All right. So <laughs> I want to make sure three lost. Did Wait. three... Yeah, there's, there goes, here's one, two, ten, threes and fourth. I got fourth place. Circle back, Jack, one. Man, I was close to a horse, too. Tough scene. So we will do the rookie quarterbacks. Very dramatic. Thanks, yes, extremely. Obviously asked about Anthony Richardson. The two guys drafted ahead of him, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. What do you do with these three? Anthony Richardson for the win, right? He'd be my first place. Honestly, the rushing is so... Uh, valuable, dynamic, and yeah. valuable. Like, I think that there's a chance that you see Jalen Hurts' rookie year. He played four games, you know, or Lamar Jackson's. I think he played seven or eight his rookie year. But you think about the quarterbacks, those two guys, even maybe Josh Allen, they all profile the same, which is incredible athlete, great mobility, still a little bit raw in terms of their passing production. But I think given that offensive line, given the, uh, the play calling in Indianapolis, Richardson's the guy that will have the most um, immediate fantasy value this year. Then I have Bryce Young, again, with Carolina, um, adding Mingo, Thielen, DJ Shark, good passing game uh, you know, coach in, in Frank Reich. For me, he's the number two guy. And then C.J. Stroud, third place in show. Just because, I mean, Nico Collins tanked out. Like, who's he throwing to? You don't like yeah. Nico? Not compared to the, the weapons of the other guys. I, th I just think, you know, Houston's just a team that just is devoid of talent, right? And they're getting there. They're building something. That, that you know, they're, they're building it. But And I do like Tank Dell, but, like, just the number three. He's yeah. the number three guy just comparatively in terms of fantasy value, sure. Yeah, I think it depends on the format, and it depends on also what you need in a given draft, where Anthony Richardson, uh, he should absolutely go first in Dynasty because of his upside. If you're drafting a third quarterback in a super flex league, two QBs, and you just want some upside, then Anthony Richardson's clearly the guy. He also might just not play this year, Anthony Richardson. So they do have Gardner Minshew, who is a upper echelon backup quarterback. So Bryce Young, I think he is the safest. But Richardson, if you're swinging for the fences, then he's clearly the guy. And then Stroud, I don't think you can really make an argument for him because I think in terms of fantasy, he's probably just the worst version of Bryce Young. The pick of Richardson is with the assumption that he starts game one or fairly soon after. The Colts know Gardner Minshew isn't the answer. And so... In a division that candidly is winnable, yeah. we'll see what happens in camp. But I think if they, like, that's what I said. I think if you think about Lamar Jackson's rookie year, where they just didn't let him throw that much, but they ran kind of a very simple offense because they waited for Lamar Jackson, who eventually would, you know, very soon after would win an MVP. But that's what I could see them doing with Richardson. Our last category, rookie wide receivers. This is for redraft here, Barry. This is not dynasty-specific. And we have uh, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, three players that were drafted all in that same cluster in round one. This may surprise you, but for the win, I'm going with Jordan Addison. We've talked about this, what a great landing spot it was for him. With Adam Thielen leaving, that's 107 targets up for grabs. Adam Thielen ran the second most routes of any wide receiver in the NFL last year. 
Kirk Cousins is back. Kevin O'Connell is back. It's going to still be a fantasy-friendly, pass-happy offense. And even when you say, well, K.J. Osborne's going to be the number two, or even Hawkinson, if you want to say the number two pass catcher, the fact of the matter is, is Osborne last year is the number three wide receiver on this Vikings team, saw 90 targets. So I think Addison, who's a talented player, uh, he would be my win. For place, I'm going to go with JSN. Geno did lead the NFL in completion percentage last year. He's going to play in the slot. Geno does like the slot. But, again, you've got Metcalf and Lockett there. Quinton Johnson's my wide receiver 50, and he would be show for me. As long as Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler are on the team and healthy, we don't know Eckler's status as of as of this uh, broadcast, but Johnson feels to me like he's probably like the fourth option. Josh Palmer as well will get some run. Really love the landing spot dynasty-wise for Quinton Johnson, but he's third place for me for this year. Yeah, I think Addison's the guy, and he's the favorite in the market to lead rookies in receiving yards, so that matches up. I think the JSN, there's just there's so many guys there, and also Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, and also they just drafted a running back in the second round to go with the guy that just came second in Offensive Rookie of the Year and Ken Walker, so I think that's a little bit crowded. I think Johnston might just have a bit more upside just because of that, where he could become, you know, he, there are worlds where he could be Justin Herbert's number two guy with how much that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams get hurt, so I might even have him number two, but I agree that Addison is the guy. Yeah, this, it'll be interesting just what injury impacts these guys because Quentin Johnson really needs an injury in front of him to be bumped up. But like you said, Barry, it's hard to disagree with Addison being number one because he's the one of those two, three guys that doesn't need that. He just yeah. gets the camp, and it's like, hey, congrats. You're probably our number two unless they really do love K.J. Osborne that way. So, all right. Yeah. I wish yeah. I had a hat. You I really, feel like I, I, feel I, like I really dropped the ball. That. I feel like I dropped the ball. I feel like I should have worn a hat on set today. I just, I just want to apologize to my public. Um, here's a um, here's a bunch of people that also aren't wearing hats. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've seen a lot more women wearing hats than men, but some men are wearing. Look, that guy's got a hat. There you go. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to teach you how to win some money on horses and fantasy we football. We certainly didn't. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Thurby today at Churchill Downs. Meanwhile, tomorrow, the Kentucky Oaks coverage begins at 1 p.m. Eastern time on USA Network. And Saturday, the 149th run for the Roses. 12 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. And, of course, 
Streaming on Peacock. We are back here at Churchill Downs, but Barry, you told the people at the top you got something in store for the Kentucky Derby coverage this week, and guess what? We got a little uh, a little sneak peek of the best of Barry's Derby shoots. Oh, I'm boy. going to apologize in advance for everybody. Thank you. I appreciate in. that. Yes, yeah. I'm terribly sorry. It's not my fault. I haven't fault. seen this yet. Let's see. <laughs> Derby day is unpredictable. But you know what? It's a heck of a lot of fun. You tuned in to watch the race, and you got me in a second. A lot of people don't realize I, I own a ranch where I breed horses, but where suits made of money. I just posted, this is where you get up and go, all right, there we go. They're not only that well trained, I apologize. Wow. That's, there you go. Hold on, hold on. We need, we need to unpack that. Hold on. What, yeah, we're not what going anywhere. What did I just say? <laughs> Why are the horse slapping? Why did they slap him? Well, Connor's in one of those he heads. Ask Absolutely him. not. Do not fall for this. <laughs> I would not agree. I agreed to almost everything for this show. Right. I think that's where I would have been blind. That was no. just, just so you guys know at home, like the people in the horse's head, that was Jay, Connor, and Drew. <laughs> Welcome, Drew. <laughs> Drew Dinsick, by the way. Yeah, give him a proper introduction yeah, here. Yes. Uh, well, Come Barry, on, you're host. Barry's hogging the ISO. What else is new? This is uh, half the battle of doing my job every day. We welcome. The show a, is called a, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. Yeah, that is fair. Your name yeah. is on, your name is on yeah. the title, as we always I'm say. But saying. a huge welcome in to Drew Dinsick. <laughs> They've had some drinks. These crew. Yeah, yeah, this, you think? <laughs> that's not there. We got a little count there. Oh my god! Good lord! Oh god! Uh, Matthew, yeah. can we talk about the Dracula outfit and what that's got to do with horse racing and the uh, 149th Kentucky there, Derby? There's they a, made its uh, way to the draft it's somehow. A, it's a magician outfit, is, is what it was actually. There's a, there's some magic tricks that's okay. going to be happening on. Okay, very good. How, how do you how do you think you conjure up you know horses <laughs> wearing suits made of money? It's okay. It's, yeah, it's, it all it, makes sense now. It all it'll try, it'll all make sense when you watch. The 149th running of the Kentucky Derby with coverage exclusively on NBC. I'm a company man. Drew, welcome in. Yeah. Sorry, Thank you haven't you had a chance to speak yet. This happens to all of us. Don't worry. That's how you know okay. you're on the show. The I yes. didn't know I was going to have action on Mage this week, but it feels like sired by good magic. And with the magic uh, kind of intro, I'm going to need to relook at uh, Mage. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me. I hope you're having a wonderful Thurby. It's been awesome. And uh, we absolutely need you here because we are actually going to learn how to bet the Derby. What, what, what now? What now? Explain who Drew is. <laughs> Our audience may not watch. Well, I, I, I they tried may, we so just, many as times. Much <laughs> just welcoming in. Him, can you, Connor? Can you at least tell America who yes. this guy is? Drew not only is a man of many betting talents, like betting the Kentucky Derby, but he is Jay's co-host on Bet the Edge here at NBC Sports. Right. So. He is, he, is our, he is one of our sports betting analysts here at NBC. An, an actual expert, not a man yes. dressed in a Dracula magician outfit <laughs> wow. shooting money in a booth. Uh, so wow. listen to what Drew has to say during this next segment. And listen, a little Kentucky Derby news uh, to start this here, Drew. Practical Move, who was 10-1 to win, scratched from the event today as we show you the full odds list here. But let's start real simple here, Drew. How do you analyze the movement of odds in the Kentucky Derby with all the horses that are still in the race? Sure, yeah. So unlike, uh, you know, in general sports betting, uh, the market is fluid. The prices change, uh, and that's a huge part of the handicap. You have to be able to anticipate uh, where the money is going to flow. Is it going to flow into the favorite? Is it going to be on the long shots? And, uh, you know, we live in a world now where, uh, you know, after last year's 80-1 to Rich Strike win, uh, you know, we're expecting in these high-profile races, the Joes have been, you know, kind of hitting the longer prices with the uh, nuclear force, 
Uh, and for that reason, uh, kind of sucked a lot of the value out of the real long shots as everyone's trying to chase that uh, uh, super, super high payout. But, um, yeah, the Kentucky Derby is a, is a fantastically uh, interesting handicap. It's the most difficult race uh, to handicap in all of, spor- in, in all of uh, racing, maybe in all of sports, because you have 20 young horses without a lot of experience. We don't have a huge track record on these guys. And in general, putting 20 horses on a track and saying, hey, go run uh, you know, a mile and a quarter, you're going to have uncertainty. It's going to create uh, opportunities for wild value last year uh, if you hit the superfecta correctly a dollar paid three hundred and twenty thousand uh, to one which is absolutely ridiculous and uh, you're not going to find those type of payouts in any other sport uh, so this is a uniquely fun and interesting and challenging uh, way to play and, uh, and and as a betting man it's uh, close to my heart there you go rich strike last year so last year coming into the derby a horse got scratched and so rich strike comes in at the last minute he's 80 to 1 odds no one bets on him he ends up winning uh he ends up winning and and to your point then it's crazy payouts for those that had rich strike or that had him in a trifecta or a superfecta what have you um and you have a scenario like this this year we just had a horse scratched and there is there is now magical mischief is it (laughs) What's the name of the horse that just came in? Oh, uh, Cyclone uh, Cyclone Mischief, I believe, is the last horse in. Uh, and Cyclone Mischief, yes. interesting horse. Uh, I, I guess here you go. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people that are going to make predictions this week. A, a, a prediction you can take to the bank. I don't think we are done with uh, scratches from this race so far. Right. Um, there are some interesting horses still on the uh, also eligible that may get into the race ultimately. Like uh, next up, I believe Mandarin Hero uh, would be. Uh, you know, he's a twenty to one uh, right now on the morning line, and he could have uh, something to say about this race. So we have a long way to go to finally uh, uh, sort out this field. But, uh, yeah, last year's race was, uh, was pretty unbelievable, and I don't think we're really due for that type of derby this year. Um, you had uh, the fastest ever first half, first half of a mile in derby history. That created a pace meltdown, which really opened the door for um, you know, Rich Strike to pull off the impossible. Let's get into some picks. And, Drew, who better to start with than you? You saw the field, pretty vast group. Who are you picking in this Kentucky Derby? Yeah, so for me, this is all about trying to take on the favorite. Forte at uh, three to one is too short of a price for me to get involved with. So I'm looking in that middle class to try to find value. And uh, I again, I think this is going to be a little bit slower pace after what we saw last year with the pace meltdown. And for that reason, I want a horse that's going to be somewhat forwardly placed in the lead, near the lead. Uh, and to me, the most likely horse and the only horse with quality in that group is uh, the number two verifying. I, I believe in Brad Cox as a trainer. I think we're going to get a price on him in around the 15 to 1 range, which would be just outstanding. Uh, and, you know, there are many other horses you could make a very strong case for uh, kind of in the middle class of this year's race. And it's going to be a lot of fun to put together some exotic tickets. But for me, verifying on top. I like verifying as a call as well. I'll give you another one that I think is interesting is Derma Sodagake, who is a, it's a Japanese horse. A ja- <laughs> what? I got that close. Yeah, okay. Sodagake. <laughs> Derma yeah, Sodagake. Did I, I get that right, Drew? I, get him, uh, I give him a 9 out of 10 for pronunciation there. Okay. He almost nailed it. Uh, four, but that's fine. No, no. <laughs> no, how would you pronounce it? I'd say it without emphasizing every single syllable because you know that you might not say it right. That's right. <laughs> Listen. I, you know, Derma Just yeah, you're just rolling through it. I'm just uh, I'm I'm pronunciating it very clearly. Derma Sotagake, just to make sure that I that I, I nail it. But the fact of the matter is, he's the fastest horse in the race. We've never seen a horse from Japan win the Kentucky Derby. So is there a reason for it, or is he due? But I do think in a race that we don't think it, where there's a particularly bunch of fast horses, I think he's the fastest fastest uh, horse here. He he, he won the uh, the UAE. Uh, overseas, so 
I like him. I like verifying. And I also think there's a reason Forte is the favorite. Like there's a reason he's the favorite. A man with many picks, Matthew yep. Berry. Absolutely. That's okay. basically my box, by the way. That's basically my box. Before we go to break, Bet the Edge, me and Drew can check us out. We're Monday to Friday, wherever you download your podcast. We're also on the NBC Sports YouTube channel going deep diving into everything betting. Not one sport specific, just absolutely everything. We've got some great guests on all the time as well. Hey, Matthew. Love the show, man. Uh, I got a question for you about the Chiefs uh, and... Uh, Tyreek Hill has uh, been talking a little trash uh, about returning to uh, Arrowhead this year. What do you think about uh, what the outcome will be uh, when uh, Miami comes into Arrowhead this year? Thank you very much. Thanks for the question. Thanks for being a fan. I think the Chiefs win. Period. Like, <laughs> oh, easy there, partner. I mean, look, they, they know how to defend Tyreek Hill, and I know Tyreek Hill thinks he's got the better quarterback between two and Patrick Holmes. But no one else that watches football thinks that. So while Tyreek will have a big game, the Chiefs will know how to contain him. Give me the Chiefs at home. The questions keep rolling in from the Matthew Berry fans, and I think this one is very on brand. Hey, Matthew, big fan of the show. Wondering how many mint juleps you're going to drink this weekend. Can I well, set a market on yeah, that Yeah, I was just going to say, yes. before I say, uh, I literally was going to say, Jake, can you set a line for me? And then Drew. So purely just the weekend, so let's make that Saturday, Sunday. Let's say 12 and a half each, and we'll round up 25 and a half for the weekend. Ooh, boy, I'm going to take the under on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, although I did hear, you know, with 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 uh, the news that uh, Matthew Berry was going to be here, they have got extra reserves of Woodford uh, uh, reserves. So, uh, yeah, 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 I think under, though. They also brought more chicken. It, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> if I could expand that over the weekend, because tomorrow is the Oaks. And so my wife's sure. flying in tonight, and I don't work tomorrow. Oh, I'm no. part of Saturday's coverage, but the Oaks, I'm here all day. So if we, if, we, if we include Friday <laughs> and the weekend, give me the over. Pound the over. All right, we got more odds for you here as we close out the show with the defensive rookie of the year odds, of course. No surprise who's at the top. Will Anderson of the Texans sitting there at plus 350. And then a pretty big gap here, fellas, when you look at Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, of course, Devin Witherspoon taking fifth overall by Seattle. Jay, what do you have your eyes on in these opening odds? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter, I think, is the most talented defensive Absolutely. player. Absolutely. 800. So on this page, he would be my bet. But I think you like someone on this page too, Connor. I really like Jack Campbell. When they really don't know who to give the award to, it becomes a stat-based award. He's going to start out of the gate. He's going to have a million tackles. He's good in coverage. I wouldn't be surprised if he could steal two or three interceptions. And, you know, if they blitz him a little bit, a couple sacks. So at plus 1,800, that is way, way too low for a guy guaranteed to start. I think this is a narrative-driven award as well. Jalen Carter, as good as he's going to be, the Eagles' defense is going to be so good, he won't get credit for it. How about Joey Porter Jr. going to play in Pittsburgh? That's a story. If the Steelers make the playoffs this year, which they're always a little legit chance to do, give me Joey Porter Jr. at plus 2,000 because it's going to be a great story. Let's go a little further down the board. Drew, I heard you're looking uh, all about the value here. Yeah, I like uh, Will McDonald. If you can get him in the 20-1, to 25-1 to 1 range, now you're going to have to wait until next Super Bowl to cash it, and we've seen a 25-1 to 1 horse cash today, so I'm going to focus on the horses, but give me some Will McDonald. All right, with that, it is mint julep time for this crew, the Kentucky Derbage coverage at 12 p.m. Eastern time on NBC Saturday tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time on USA Network. We are back Wednesday if we ever get Barry out of here. For Drew, for Connor, for Jay, and Matthew, we'll see you soon. Peace out! With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. 
That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.